Yeah, can I tell you something that kind of bums right. me out about Mario and his mm. nude top? Yeah. Is I, as a man who has like, you know, I'm like a tiny boy, but with like a little belly. And I always assumed I saw in Mario a like, you know, like-bodied person. And instead, he's, he's just a barrel. Yeah. He is... It is yeah. muscle through and through. But, I mean, he, he doesn't brag. These aren't like... He's a single pack, but it, the entire keg. pack is his entire core. He's got he's a, a strong keg. core. He's a, yeah, he's a keg. keg. A but he's got a... When he wears the overalls, you see a tum. There's like a little round... It's little just stuff in his... That's, arm, that's armor. Everybody. Oh, yeah, he's always okay. wearing a Kevlar, a Kevlar vest. <laughs> Everyone thinks yeah, that armor. Makes sense. I would say padding to make people feel more at ease. I mean, you do those. Thought, you do those butt stomps. That's good for the core. That is building yeah. up some core strength. You need a powerful sort of axis to pivot on. <laughs> what if he's wearing one of those pregnancy sympathy vests? That's like that you have to wear in high school. Because I bet that's he got, it. He got Luigi. Uh, Luigi got him pregnant in this uh, picture I saw on the internet. Wow. We need to. I talk. saw that picture too. We need to talk off the podcast. Justin McElroy and I know the best games of the month. My name is Griffin McElroy and I know the best games of the last month. My name is Chris Plant and I know the best games of the summertime. My <laughs> name is Ross Preston and I know the best games of the week. Hello everyone welcome to the Besties where we talk about the latest and greatest in sports, news, entertainment, pop culture, um, old retro, the 80s are back, and uh, video games and uh, also Destiny two uh is up for discussion but this month we're gonna ignore all the other ones just to talk about video games you know we can't uh, talk about destiny 2 right because that's the, that one came out in september it's from the future that's, we have yeah, to we have to we're but, so late on recording this we have to pretend that we do not know about the games of september and what is hot and what is eating our lives right now okay well, well we won't be talking about destiny even though that's probably what everybody it's listening would like to hear us talk about. <laughs> so, yeah surprise the de the besties for the first time in recorded history are a disappointment uh listen we'll record another we because the uh, we were all traveling at like we all sort of spaced it out in a really terrible way we're gonna have to record the september episode like tomorrow in an episode that i would like to call bestinies <laughs> uh but we'll, we'll get to um, that Let's get into our honorable mentions for this month. Anybody play anything good? There were a lot. Remember from yeah. August. So anybody I... having fun? Eclipse events. <laughs> uh, I burned my eyes. Uh, that's not true. Chris, tell everybody your sad eclipse story. No, that's true. So I went. I went to Saint Joe in the center of this beautiful country of ours. And uh, what is Saint Joe? Saint Joseph, Missouri. It was the center oh. of the eclipse. Maybe you opened a newspaper that day, and. Nope. The eclipse was like center of totality. It was like one second less than the most time you could get. Two minutes, 45 seconds or something like that. And about 30 minutes before the eclipse, a uh, big old rain cloud comes in and just moves right on top of us and just hangs oh. out there. And oh, no. I saw like bits and pieces through the cloud, like when it would break apart. Uh, but no, here's the bad thing. So uh, if you used eclipse, eclipse glasses... Kind of hard to spot the sun, especially hard to spot it 
uh, through cloud cover. Oh, no. So you would kind of like be like, oh, well, the sun must be behind the clouds now. Where did it go? I'll just oh, no. lower my glasses. And then no. the, the, the end of Indiana Jones, the, uh, your eyes, they melt. Yeah. And your face melts. And, and, and then you have to live in shame in silence because for like that whole day, my eyes kind of stung. And I was like, this is it. What? I'm going to go blind and I can't <laughs> tell anybody because no. I'm going to look like a huge You, are, you will idiot. get dunked on. So I had that thought constantly because I didn't have the glasses, but I did want to see mm. it. So I catch little peaks. I, and and, and, mm. and I, I read from the <laughs> science magazines that if you just get little peaks, I think yeah. I think it's okay. And so I just like look up yeah, little peaks, but I didn't want to get my orbs scorched because I know that if mm-hmm. I got on Twitter and complained about my scorched orbs, everybody would be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. But if we you, you if you don't have the glasses you. and you look up at the sun, all you see is the sun pretty much. You really cannot see the moon because of the yeah, glare. Fair. Yeah, that's so true. It's not even worth it. The next in seven fucking years, I cannot believe it is September fourteenth, and we are talking about the solar eclipse that happened in August zero twenty two thousand. That's it. This episode of the Best Beats is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so. You know, there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos. You can do whatever you want. And it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames. And they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Um, hey, so excited that was to August. how the besties handled the eclipse, and we're finally giving now it we're to giving. Um, I have an honorable mention that I really struggled with whether or not I wanted to make it my game of the month, uh, because mm-hmm. it came out pretty close to the end of the month, so I didn't know I'd have time for it. Little did I know I would have basically 20 days. Um, and that game is Everybody's Golf on PlayStation yeah. 4. It is, if you play the Hot Shots Golf series, which I adore, uh, I got really, really into, there was a Hot Shots Golf game that was a, I think a Vita launch title. And I'd never gotten too into the series before that, but I played the shit out of that one because it is so well suited for mobile, uh, for, for handheld devices. And man, I really wish that uh, Everybody's Golf was out on, on, on Vita or Switch or something. I know it's not going to come to Switch because I'm pretty sure it's, uh, Sony uh, property, I guess, at this point. But um, 
Uh, and, and you can remote play it on Vita, but it's all about hitting like the three button golf presses uh, that is sort of a staple of these types of golf games. And that's really hard to do with any amount of latency at all. Um, but it is a it's just like a really, really good Hot Shots golf game. It feels really uh, it feels really good. And there are a billion customization options, uh, which, you know, is my jam. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't have too much else to say. Uh, it's, it's got like this hub world that you can run around and explore and there's other activities like fishing and, uh, go-kart racing, I guess, golf cart racing rather, uh, which I haven't even unlocked yet. Um, but it's been like a nice little like mood game for me, which I'm, I like having one of those, uh, at all times where it's just like, I don't have any other games to play and I'm just wanting some, something to kind of chill out to. Let's throw on some everybody's golf and play it. And it's fun. Yeah, it gets me very excited for um, golf, sto- is golf that story. Golf story. I thought that was dropping the fifteenth. I thought that was dropping tomorrow, but I guess it's just sometime this month. So, sometime this, yeah, sometime. Uh, but that gets me very excited because it's coming to Switch. And it looks like a Mario Mario of, Golf Advance. Yeah, right. It looks like the GBA and like Game Boy Color Mario Golf games, like using the same like perspective and art style and everything and also golf golf exploration right where like every place is technically a uh is technically like a course so you can just kind of like putt around and look for secrets and stuff like it looks it looks really cool was my shit i love that stuff so i hope it's as well hopefully we'll talk about Um, that in the next episode because i think it'll probably make one of our lists russ do you really play golf you seem like somebody who would golf why is that? Because of my lanky frame? You just seem like a golf. Am I wrong in this? It just seems like a golf. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've mentioned, I actually mentioned this on the stream I did with just, uh, with Griffin when we were playing uh, Everybody's Golf, but I've played golf once really in real life. And the big struggle I had was actually hitting the yeah, ball. It's trouble. Even though it's not moving, it's very, very difficult to hit it because it's so very small. And it's embarrassing. And it's embarrassing. I always, I've, I like to play with my friends. I've been like, I've been a few times because there's a bunch of like really cheap courses here in Austin. And every time we go, we have to play scramble, which means that we all drop our balls at the furthest drive. And then we play out from there. And we have to do that yeah. because I can't make the ball go far at all. I like, I can't even hit it. I miss it. That's, and that's arguably the, the least far that you can make a ball go, which is not, not go. <laughs> Which is pretty impressive when you think Anybody about it. Anybody spend some time with Absolver? I, I was really excited for that one, and I checked it out, and it kind of didn't didn't stick with yeah, me. Yeah, I, I, I played a little bit while I was on vacation. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like, there's many components of it. That, so if you don't know Absolver, um, it's vaguely sort of like a fighter mixed with Dark Souls, sort of? Yeah. For lack of a better term. Um and it's it's definitely interesting. Like I, I think for me, as you so you're wandering the land and you got to beat up some like big kids that are mean for some reason. And um, as you're wandering the land, you fight people and you have like you, as you fight them, you learn their moves from obser- observing them, and you can learn them faster. I think if you counter them properly, um, you have like several stances that you can switch between, and then there are moves that switch you between the stances. Um, I would say my, so as somebody who's not like a big fighting game aficionado, um, I would say my, but I do like, uh, it, 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 for me, it just dumps a lot on you at once. Yeah. There's a lot of moves and there's a lot of like, you can customize every move that you do in a given set. 
Um, and I didn't necessarily, as somebody who is not super well-versed in fighting games, I didn't really understand why one set would be better in a given situation or why, you know, there's a lot of complexity. It drops on you right at the start. And it really, for me, I was just sort of flailing without a really good path forward for like how I could get better. Yeah. Um, For me, it was like an intimidation thing where um, I, I like trust the From Software games now. And so I get dropped in this huge open deadly world and i know that i'm gonna have to like bash my head against it and so i think like okay well i can i've played these games before and i know what this experience is going to be like and i know that i really like them and so i'm willing to like put in the effort and i think the reason i bounced off absolver is that it didn't like it didn't necessarily have that uh, native trust for me but not only that i don't I don't understand the language of, of fighting games really well. And while like, I think it's a fairly pared down system they have where you are, you know, building combos and then you can learn how to uh, use those combos and use stuff like faint strikes and different like blocking maneuvers. And I, I think it's more accessible than a fighting game, but I still felt like I, I would also have to work to learn that stuff too. Um, and I, I, again, like, I don't think it's like a wall that is unscalable, but I just, I don't know. It seemed like I wasn't really, if you have fighting game fluency. You might be able to, I think it'd be sick for you. Like, you I, just, I think there's a yeah. lot of people for whom like, this is like a, a really, really cool experience. I actually, one of my favorite fighting games was Urgies or Urgies for PS1. It was the square, uh, published fighting game that had like a single player story mode and you could also play as cloud i think if you and tifa oh, yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a man they made some fucking that was the same year that they put out ein einhander einhander yeah man they made some fucking yeah. they used to make such cool games um but like I, I i like a fighting game with a story and this is like a fighting game with a huge like a fighting game by way of dark souls and i think for there's a lot of people for whom that is going to be the jam it just seemed I, I played it and i just got the feeling that like i would have to put in like a lot of a lot of effort to to learn how that that world works but i think it's also it seems like a pretty sick game um if that sounds good to you i like sick games yeah mm. anybody else play anything <laughs> in august 100 years ago i don't think i had any other games there were so many things that i like feel like i missed and i know i need to catch before the end of the year i didn't play hellblade yet I haven't played Dream Daddy yet. Um, I, oh, I picked up Uncharted: The Lost Legacy, but I haven't played it yet. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like bought it, and then I it's still wrapped up on my on my shelf. I just haven't dipped into Un- it yet. It seems good. Uncharted, I have played. Um, it's it's good. It's really good. If you, but it's not. I mean, if you're expecting a market change from the last Uncharted game. Which was very recent, and that would be an unreasonable expectation for you to have. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's Especially just, since it's, they haven't changed that much. That's, like, ever. that's it. Like, yeah, and it, and it, for me, honestly, by the end of four, I was like, I and it, and we spoke about this. I think at the time, like, I uh, there was way too much in there. Like, I think uh, four overstayed its welcome in a big way. So, and I mean that this isn't necessarily the fault of anybody, but hopping back in, I just like super wasn't like dying for more uh, uncharted right i actually yeah. it, it's cool it, though like it's very mechanically cool. i feel like it's over like if, if i i want to play this game and i will at, at some point but if when i do it it'll be specifically for the story and the writing and the great characters and not necessarily for the climbing around on rocks and swinging swinging around i like and and that's why i haven't dipped back into it it's just like it's hard for me to get I loved Uncharted 4. I thought it was a fucking fantastic game and, like, a perfect send-off to this, like, quadrilogy that they 
put together. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying they shouldn't, you know, make more games in this world. It's just like, I don't know. I, I want to get in there and I want to play and I want to see these these characters. But it's it's just really hard for me to get psyched about, you know, sneaking through grass and instant executing enemies and getting a, yep. a pistol that I shoot, you know, mercenaries in the head with a hundred times. Like, I feel like I've done that so much. There's a moment in the game where, like, you get one of the classic um, Uncharted seemingly pointless doohickeys, like a weird disc or something that if you push in a certain way, it turns into, I don't know, something, some sort of MacGuffin. And you climb up to a tower to get the lay of the land in this vast open world. Like, one of the missions is, like, basically an open world, a small one, but an open world, where you can sort of approach it in any way. And you're up in this tower, and you're looking you're opening these doors and through each of the three doors you see in the distance this giant fortress that you need to go to and hump in some way <laughs> you need to hump the fortress in some way and i was looking at it and i just i had this realization i was like nah i don't think so and i turned it off <laughs> At that point, I was like, I really don't need to go run to those fortresses. But I'm... I wish that was the in-canon event that happened in the game <laughs> yeah. as well. They're yeah, like, eh. it's a pretty tall town. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen um, it. Chris and I played. <laughs> Chris and I played a little bit of Nidhogg too. I don't know if you played more than than we checked out, Chris. Um, yeah, I've, I played a little bit, but I, I think you. I uh, I got so did angry. Not like it a lot more than I. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's certain things about. So it's like Nidhogg, which was this really cool indie, basically fencing game where you had a sword and you could like hold it in three different positions or throw it or you could do like a, a melee attack or jump kick or a dodge roll and that was like kind of it and uh, the point of it was to like kill your opponent and then keep running toward their goal so you're like moving through it's kind of side scrollery and you're moving through different screens and if you can reach the end of their screen uh then you win and it was really cool. I was really into it. We played it a lot. There was kind of this golden age where like Nidhogg, Towerfall, and Crawl uh, were were all popping off and Mount Your Friends. And so like there was this sort of like, it all sort of happened all at once, this like really great local multiplayer uh, renaissance that I was really into. So I was excited for Nidhogg too, but I don't know. You spawn with uh, one of, I think, four weapons now. Like there's a big heavy sword and a bow and arrow and a little knife and the fencing foil. And that adds like a, re a, a an element of chance to it that I think kind of eliminates a bit of the purity of the experience. Or maybe it was at least for like the hour or so I spent with it. I, maybe there's like a learning curve where like you have to figure out how to make all those weapons work, but it just didn't really work well for me. But the bigger thing was that like there was some there was something just kind of off about the movement of it where there's a uh, like a wall jump that you can do and uh pretty much all the levels that we played when when me and chris played it uh involved like running across this path with like these gaps where there were lower parts of the floor and the gaps were wide enough that you could never jump from one of the, like the raised platforms to another and so you had to like get down in it and like literally every time i did chris would be chasing me and when i tried to like jump and mantle up to the next thing like a hundred percent of the time i would just wall jump backwards into chris's waiting sword um, and after doing that about 50 times, I was like fucking furious. And I just like, I really, I really was not having any fun at all. Also, like that game is all about like running to the other, the opponent's goal. And so when you are very evenly matched with your opponent, like I would say me and, me and Chris are fairly evenly matched. We played one game that was like a half hour and we just could not get out of the center screen because we were just, and that's not like 
that as that might sound good on paper and fun and challenging but fuck me i just we quit we didn't even finish that match we were like do you want to be done yes we were too we were too <laughs> proud to let the other person win and so we just fucking turned it <laughs> yeah. we turned the game off and i do not think i'm gonna play the it again. only winning yeah. move i i, I think is not to play. I, I liked it a little bit more i think the issue is it is this weird sensitive command of like when you hit when you're mantling if you hit jump I think you shoot in the other direction. And that goes against like your instinct, which is when you're mantling, hit jump to like climb faster. And I think the game, one, I think that's awkward. And two, I, I'm like not even certain that's true. So that's some problem. Yeah. And, then, and then three, I just feel like what the game needs is a really clear control like tutorial, which I, I don't believe is there. When I started like, playing it single player it just kind of threw me right in. and i understand that like the hook of the game is its simplicity but like clearly that's not the case so i'm 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 still like a little warm on it i i think it could be good um i just there's just like not a great way to learn it I mean, um, it, it, as, as a i was gonna say as a like just to sort of wrap this up because i know we should probably move on to the actual games do you think the characters in nidhogg 2 look like the characters from nothing but trouble starring chevy chase and demi i have no complaints about that i i love the art style it has this like hyper maximalist like art style that is like fucking awesome i think it rules it doesn't look like any other video game and so i'm into that i just i just wish Uh, it was more fun to play it I just thought it looked like nothing but trouble. I don't even know movie. what that movie is. And then, yeah. <laughs> Justin, I know you wanted to talk about Agents of Mayhem and how much you love that. Maybe we get like a little one, oh, sen- like a one sentence, old, Agents of Mayhem? maybe like a blurb. Oh, good. I, you know what? Yeah, because I didn't really get to. I don't think we did a quality control on it, so I didn't get a chance to take a massive dump on it. Um, hey. That game is so. I love the Saints Row franchise. I will even defend. When people got burnt out on like four, um, like Get Out of Hell, the, the and, expansions. Well, and stuff. let's not go crazy. Okay. <laughs> Get Out of Hell was not great, but like four was largely evolutionary, and but I still really enjoyed it and thought it had a lot of great moments. And the and the series has always had this sort of, um, sort of subtle humanism to it. Like it it, it is weirdly celebratory of like everybody in 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 a in a reverent way, but never. Well, I shouldn't say never. Occasionally, but rarely a um punching down way. yeah um it's kind of yeah, like fast yeah, and yeah. the furious like That's very comparison yeah I, like family oriented even more sort of tongue-in-cheek agents of mayhem has none of that um agents of mayhem is a single player third person shooter where you swap on the fly between uh your three different agents that you bring to the field each one has a discrete sort of weapon set and ability set um, and you can, you know, sort of switch on the fly depending on who you think would be the best in a given situation. And I, it, it is, that part feels okay, I guess. It's never as fast as you want they, 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 to switch. They hype it up that, you know, you can, uh, uh, you know, shoot somebody with a rocket launcher and then as you're landing, flip to your sword lady and she will do the sword for this sounds like an xbox one game a little bit it sounds like brute force maybe a touch yeah it sounded like brute force that's what i was thinking too but you're kind of like able to switch on the fly which is kind of interesting and um it just it just is not in any way funny like there's no everything's like joke adjacent i said this in interview everything's like written as if there were a joke and and delivered as if there were a joke but like there is no 
there is no palpable joke. There's no joke to be had. And the entire thing is just drudgery. Uh, the, all of the, um, the, the vast majority of the levels end in a layer, which is like an underground gunmetal gray base that is assembled from several different components and they all feel exactly the same. Mm. It's like every mission is that way, ending in a layer like that. Um, all the humor's gone. It They dumped so many different upgrades and customization items on you and stuff like that that you never really get a good handle on any of your abilities. Um, it's just it's just so disappointing as somebody who really liked that franchise and they and they really they moved away from uh saints row in in more ways than one like there are characters pierce is in this one but they never don't they don't refer to him as pierce um the kingpin is what they call and he's like a rap impresario i think or or something like that and it's very it's not like it just has very it's just the name and the character but it doesn't feel like him. That's weird. At all, it's so weird. And there, there's, it's just, I get having their backs against the wall after four, which basically turned you into a god, right? Out of hell, which basically turns you into the devil. Uh, so it's like, it, I, I get the challenge, but it's just like, it's just so bad. And there, a lot just, of people it, gave it pretty decent scores. And that fucking tripped me out. I'm glad they enjoyed it. I think it's a pretty good proof that my taste level is higher than the vast majority. <laughs> that's of what it means. Viewers. If you ever review a game lower <laughs> than anybody else. Um, right. That's what, that's the proof positive that we've all been waiting for. Just a quick little side okay. note. I Googled yeah. brute force to make sure that was the name of the game that I was thinking of. And, um, it wasn't a very good game. I was looking at reviews. As long as we're talking about reviews first, there's a, an outlet called Cinescape that gave it a 100. This is a perfect, Brute Force is a perfect game. I will go to my grave. It's a perfect game. It's perfection. No flaws. <laughs> Video games, perfect. Um, let's start talking about our games of the month because we have a lot to do. I want me and Justin to do ours back to back, so I don't know where we want to slot that in, but we have sort of a battle of the lonely space titles. That I think could be fun. You can you can go on the at uh, the after right. midterms. Uh, I'll I'll start. Uh, my game was a pretty typical um, joining of two familiar franchises that we all love: Mario Brothers and the Mushroom Kingdom, joined with the Rabbids of love France. Those. Now, who's the what was the first ones you talked about? Because you know I love those Rabbids, but I've never heard of a Moria. Yeah, Moria. So this. Yeah, Mario, uh, and he's a plumber, and he lives no, in Italy, not. but then not John Leguizamo shows up and takes him through the shower, and uh, and then they so end up in the Mushroom funny. Kingdom. The movie is. The joke's not, but the movie was <laughs> so funny. Uh, I, love, uh, I love this game, actually. I thought it was a really fun game. Tell us... A Marion Rabbits. The full name, I think, That's is Mario Plus... That's folks. That's the kind of insight you can expect from... <laughs> Thank you, Justin. Uh, the full game is called uh, Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. I want to. Yeah, say. That's, that's it. Weird. I thought it was Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. We can't. We can't. Yes. We can't keep judging Russ for his life choices. Um, <laughs> yeah, can you tell us anything uh, about it? Sure. It's 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 XCOM with Mario Brothers and Rabbids. All right. <laughs> uh, pretty much, it's a turn-based strategy game. You know, you use cover like an XCOM. You have a chance to hit like an XCOM. You build up a squad. They have different abilities. Mario is more about jumping on people, and Luigi is more about running away, as he is wont to do. 
um, and they're paired with uh, Rabbids, who are dressed like Mario characters, which is even more confusing. So you have um, a Luigi Rabbid and a Peach Rabbid. And so the idea is to basically progress through these uh, sequence of turn-based battles against even more crazy rabbits who are basically infected by a VR helmet that combines two different things at once. <laughs> the, the backstory is very complicated and bizarre. you really don't need to stress about it. I think what I found surprising is that it's a really capable, interesting turn-based strategy game with like all of the sorts of things that you think about when you're playing an XCOM, XCOM game are presented here. I actually think they're presented in a much more palpable and like easy to understand way in this game. Um, a lot of the mechanics that are kind of daunting or frustrating in an XCOM game are simplified. I'll give an example. So um, uh, reinforcements have always been really annoying in XCOM games. Um, they, they're handled differently in different games, but a, more, a lot of times it will just be like reinforcements show up like with no notice whatsoever, you've been like really careful through the entire mission and and suddenly they they appear and totally wreck your shit because you weren't prepared for them. In Mario Plus Rabbids, the way they present that reinforcements are about to show up and the exact location of where they're gonna show up, you just see their ears poking up out of the ground, which I kind of love. Uh, it, it And you can tell based on the ears, like what kind of unit it's gonna be. Um, they also simplify the idea of chance to hit. So it's either 100% chance to hit, 50% chance to hit, or 0% chance to hit. Um, and that, like, especially for people that have never played one of these types of games before, makes it, like, super easy to understand, like, why did I miss? Whereas in XCOM, it might be, like, 32.3% and you, like, whatever, have to do a, a math problem to figure out whether you're going to hit someone. Um, so I really like the fact that it was much more simplified. Uh, the only thing that I kind of didn't love was, and maybe this is like an unfair comparison, um, I really, really enjoy the Nintendo Mario RPG games. Mm -hmm. uh, the writing in them, I think, is really good. The Treehouse does like really, really good localization for those games. And obviously, this is a different team. This is Ubisoft doing all the writing and stuff like that. And the jokes and the writing just were not nearly as... I think interesting or fun or like palpable to like an adult person playing as they are in the Mario yeah. RPG games. Like there's not yeah, like that Pixar I would, I would level. Say there's broadness. like one tweak to that. And it, I think the game kind of operates on two levels. And one is the rabid level, um, which is like within like 15 minutes, you're walking past giant toilets and don't get me wrong. I love poop jokes. Griffin has to suffer poop jokes. Rachel, Rachel has to suffer them. She's not a big fan. <laughs> Yes, but they're not these ones. As a connoisseur of um of toilet humor, not not great. They're pretty tasteful. But, they're tasteful dookie jokes. I think for the most part. I mean, well, the the, the toilets are like giant art. Like you Love walk it. past like giant uh, wonder of the world size statues. But the thing that I do like, and I think the game does really well, is the subtle stuff, which is like how they play with the Mario characters. Like, Luigi being a skeezy sniper who takes cheap shots is hilarious and results in these, like, f in the actual moment, funny 
scenarios any, where any interactions also between Mario, uh, uh, Rabid Luigi, and Luigi is like fucking great. Like this game really drills down into Luigi's like fucking psyche in a way that I think is really really terrific. Yeah, and I th- I it feels like, and this is kind of a thing that goes across a lot of Nintendo games lately. Even though I know this was made by Ubisoft, but that they're catching on to the stuff that is happening outside of their control with their fans and like leaning into it when it suits them. This is how we get I, this is I how we get Luigi dabbing well. in this game. That's that is the that's the the uh, the terminus for for what Chris is describing <laughs> is Luigi dabbing and that's the end of any fan interaction. If they put weird um, if they put if they put Pat's Toad in the next Mario game, it'll be like, "Okay, y'all <laughs> y'all are a little bit too deep down the the oubliette here." Um, I, I played a lot of this on the flight. We, we were up in the Northeast recently, and I, and I had a lot of flights and travel time. I played a lot of it. And I would say, Russ, it's funny. I, I feel differently about some of the mechanics than you do. Like, some of the th- things that were simplified to me, I found a little frustrating. And I'll, I'll try to explain. Like, when you are – there are, like, weird weapon modifiers. Like, there are guns that can set people on fire, right? So you get set on fire, and then all of a sudden you're just running around like mad and you're on fire and they're they're doing huge damage there's a a bounce effect that can happen where an enemy shoots you or you shoot an enemy and they bounce all over the screen and completely change what the what the battlefield is like and to me a lot of those battles sort of turned very chaotic as a result of that like i would have sort of a strategy and then uh, you know, uh, uh, an enemy would use a big grenade that would set everybody on fire and send everybody running, and all of a sudden the strategy had just sort of fallen apart. And I feel like my the the thing that exacerbates that is the simplified hit percentages because it removes the possibility of adding that element of of surprise or taking a chance or trying to right those situations like. To, uh, your ability to adapt is limited, right? So if I get, like, knocked uh, way out of where I was going to, to try to take the shot, maybe I, ha- I still have the hit percentage, but it's very reduced. And, like, I don't know, I could give it a shot. Maybe maybe this will work. You know, there's a chance this could work. And I feel like that's really eliminated here. It's like, well, my thing is screwed up now, and there's really no sort of coming back for it. So, like, I, I don't know, that chaotic element that they introduce in battles um, – really was not great for me the other thing i'll say is like the difficulty curve is very strange you can just sort of chug through the first area and not have to learn much chug is a great the way of- a great verb by the way because i was watching justin play on the plane i was like wow you this looks fun the part i'm at in the beginning is not because it's just the same type of shit over, over and like it, i feel like it does not get very fun until more stuff gets added and i have not hit that point yet and i've played for a while yeah, once you they, you introduce things like drones that are cool that, that you can send on a yeah. path to attack an enemy and so that stuff is neat. I just I I don't know. I I wish that um the the firefights feel a little flat as a result until the enemies do something that completely sort of knocks the whole battlefield up on its end and I I just wish there was a a way of like recontrolling that. There's also one thing that I thought was very strange um the characters have pretty wildly differing hit points. So, like, Luigi, if you want to l- use Luigi, he has literally, like, half as many hit points as, as some of the other people uh, on the on the Yeah, spot. but that's in keeping... That's in keeping with, like, ex- like he's a sniper. 
that's the whole kind of point is that he's not supposed to be like front lines. Yeah. So but if you build him as a front lines, but those lines are know? very uh, like the enemies have a lot of mobility and a lot of range. That's like, my those lines are very, that's are that, very hard to keep drawn. That is my biggest complaint. And that is why I think I'm maybe done is that I feel like a lot of the maps again, and maybe this is just a symptom of me being early on in the game. Uh, I, I think I'm on like the second chapter of it or whatever. Uh, the maps are really condensed and every character can move and shoot really far and it makes it really really tough to know like how to how to uh fire emblem heroes is another example where it's a like a six by eight grid and you know exactly like you have to every square that you move really matters and you know exactly where to put your folks so that you can team attack somebody while avoiding getting team attacked by somebody else and that with i I really don't think that is represented well here at all where i will like move in peach and go in and do a kick uh, a dash attack and then get cover and shoot somebody and take them out and be what i think is really far Far away from the enemy team but no they can move really really far and then shoot really really far and just dunk on me and then all of a sudden that character is out and it, it just doesn't it doesn't like that never sure. really clicked with me i i think that changes pretty hardcore after the first third of the game okay um and i, I would well say it I, doesn't you could still be very mobile just to like sort of defend on that point because i i get what you're saying I think there's two things at work here. One, you're right. Enemies, both enemies and your squad are extremely mobile. You can use pipes. You can bounce off other people. So, like, yes, uh, you can move around a lot. I do think you learn the limitations of both your movement and the enemy squad movement pretty reasonably well. Uh, I would say probably pretty close to where you're at to the point where you know when you're 100% safe or not. I would also say the... um, the benefit of it is basically it keeps the like one of the issues i have with xcom as well even though i do like this especially in games like xcom or fire emblem the normal fire emblem games where battles last like two hours and you have to be super careful about every single move i kind of like that almost all of the rabbits battles are like 15 minutes long and if you die uh which i did a bunch of times i died a bunch of times on a few battles like I was able to readjust my strategy in keeping with that stuff. Justin's point about the randomness is is fair. There are ways to mitigate that, but it does result in I, a lot I of chaos. I think the fire debuff is like one of the most clever. I, I, I don't love playing the game, but I love seeing the excitement of the developers who are not Nintendo developers getting their hands on this Nintendo property and thinking of ways to like adapt that because the fire debuff where you get caught on fire and it does like a little bit of damage, but the real like setback is that you run in a sort of chaotic path and then end up maybe is fucking exactly how fire works in, in uh, super Mario 64, you get set on fire and then Mario just runs and runs around also in real life, life, probably. I love that. I think that's really (laughs) clever and really cute and, and, and fun. And I, I, I really appreciate that. And I was like, I kept, I kept thinking about that developer that we saw during the Ubisoft press conference when Shigeru Miyamoto was like thanking the the development team, and then we get like the close up of the the director yeah. I think on the game, and he was like tearing up because that's fucking Shigeru Miyamoto. Like I love that stuff. That is that's 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 my jam, and you can see that stuff like all over the game, and I think that's really cool. It's very thoughtful. Yeah, I- like it's thoughtful in a way that like other licensed mario properties have not been for sure yeah 100 percent. yeah i think they were they really took their time the the one thing i would say to that crying gentleman is 
the block puzzles in the game are just unforgivable. They're so annoying, and I don't understand. You move blocks, like, super slowly, and with most of the puzzles, you see what needs to happen, and then it's just this procedure of, like, well, fuck, all right, let me move all these blocks around, and it's, I think it's very annoying. Yeah, I agree. The The stuff in between it's battles not, is it's not, not great. great. Yeah. If you have a sliding not block great. puzzle, and I'm not allowed to grab the block and move it in whichever direction I choose... You have fucked up somewhere. Yeah, it that took. It, it's, it's, also, Mario can't jump in that world, and that's just so super weird. <laughs> it feels really strange. Yeah. Well, that's why you play as the uh, the what is it? The little Beepo. Yeah, Beepo. Beepo is a very the... good name. That's can a... I ruin the end of that no, game? God, or is that no. not appropriate? Yeah, um, there's an, a kind of. A, I'm not going to ruin it, but there is an amazing twist at the end of the game. Uh, so if you want to well, stick with tell, it, yeah, tell me afterwards because I'm not going to. Okay, <laughs> it's just um, funny. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts, and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print, little details, and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know, who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense. Mint Mobile, their wireless plans. There is no catch. Fifteen dollars a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com slash besties that's mintmobile.com slash besties cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see mint mobile for details y'all you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties Christopher okay. what do you got? I realize we have another theme oh boy this is oh, the, the the weird uh, versions of the big 
mascots because I have Sonic Mania. Hmm. Sonic yeah. Mania is not weird. Uh, Sonic Mania is a weird game. It's, it's weird Sonic that they Mania finally. Weird game. It's, it's weird where they finally made a good one in, for once. Yeah, I mean, so for people who don't know, Sonic Mania is essentially a sequel to the original Sonic trilogy plus Knuckles plus Sonic CD. Uh, it's made by Christian Whitehead and a handful of other, I guess you could call them fan Sonic game creators up until this point. And then they uh, did lots of work with Sega over the years. Uh, they have a thing called the Retro Engine that allows games to be played on modern platforms that look close to like the sega genesis sega cd um so this looks like those old games uh except for that it runs obviously much much better better. yeah um and it plays much much better because as i think people are kind of coming to terms with um Sonic games had a great first level that most of the development resources went into. And that was like uh, just a rocket shot from beginning to end. And then uh, this game that was not designed for platforming really became a platformer uh, the rest of the game. And most people just didn't finish it, but they kind of loved Sonic because either that level was so wonderful on its own or maybe they just loved really messy platforming, or they didn't have a Nintendo console like me, um, and they, they really dug their, uh, their heels in. But this game, it solves that by, one, I think whatever this engine they're using is making it easier to kind of create all these loop-to-loops and create these uh, wild courses, and they are they're pacing it better so each stage has areas that are a little bit more platforming and the controls work better so that helps uh but you're always kind of a few seconds away from speed which is i think what people enjoy about sonic to begin with um but the other thing that i really liked about it is it it goes back and it looks at the problems and it takes them seriously as if like maybe there's great design underneath this if we just pick at it long enough and i i I think arthur wrote our review and and spoke about like well you know it's good but it it doesn't really fix the big problems with the with the original game and i i think kind of the opposite i think it realizes there is some really smart ideas and the big one being that if you look at sonic versus mario mario was all about moving left to right And Sonic was kind of this unusual game that was more of like a puzzle. You were going up and down. Yeah. You were going right to left sometimes. You were were having to, like, find your way around in the later courses. And that felt, comparatively, like it lacked a flow. But here, it feels like being lost inside of, like, a maze, like, level that you would draw on your binder when you were in high school. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It just... It's so bizarre. I mean, by the second kind of phase of stages... It feels like there must be a dozen, if not dozens, of paths through each individual course. And you're you're almost not sure if you're going the wrong direction a lot of the times, but you always seem to be going the right one. Um, just because it's built really, really well. Um, the only the only yeah, issue it, with that is, I, and I, I really dig this game. I, I play it, like, a lot, just sort of, like, dip, dipping in whenever I have my Switch with me traveling. It's probably what I played the most when I was on that same tour with Juice. Um, the problem with that is the Chaos Emeralds is they, they show up in these big gold rings that you can find in each level. And I am such a completionist, and I know 
ah. there's some there's some dope stuff that's going to come out of those and not only are those uh, do, do i feel like i reached the end of the level and i didn't find a chaos emerald ring and i think like ah fuck i must have gone the wrong way which does make me feel a little bit like I failed while exploring that maze because it's not always evident like which path I should be going if I want to get to it. The mini games that you have to do to get the Chaos Emeralds are abysmal. They're really not fun. Yeah. And and then so like I, I play through the level and I get to one of those things and then I fail it and then you don't get a second chance. And it's like, well, yet shit. This is kind of my feel about all collectibles in video games is that they're awful and like the pursuit of collectibles distracts from like basically collectibles are what you do on your second or third or maybe your fourth playthrough unless it's a game like crackdown where the collectibles like make the game sure and even then like that's i'm glad to hear somebody's making crackdown oh that was alexa <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i i i agree like i for a long time i had that same thing and i think it was actually the uncharted games that like finally weaned me off because it, I was like, here are these games that are all about moving forward and being cinematic, and you want me to, like, look around in the cracks for, like, a lost vase. Um, did not work for me. I, the, just one other thing about the courses, too, that I, I really dig <clears throat> is they, they understand that there's, like, very thin narrative to, like, level design, and the, the way the phase basically works when you go into, like, a new zone the first one is usually a throwback to something that you are familiar with. So the pinball area or the like classic Sonic stage. And then the second one is a spin on it where they kind of do their own thing. But also like, and what one example is you have a boss fight at the end of the first zone and he basically lights the stage on fire. And then the second stage is in like kind of in flames or there's smaller things too, where you can change the stage. There's a flame shield now, and that will essentially melt uh, some platforms that you're on. So there's just this, like, I don't know. There's more of a sense that there's a place here and not just, Oh, these are the same loop to loops over and over again, yeah. with slightly different pixels on them. Um, so yeah. It's kind of metal sluggy in that way. I kind of got that vibe where metal slug like levels progress into one another and like reference back to older levels. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Griffin, there's a thing in here that I, a boss fight that I think we can talk about now that I know you Yeah, it's like level of. two or level three. Are you talking about the... It's, it's very early on. Okay, yeah. One of the boss fights is just uh, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. You just play a quick round of Mean Bean Machine with Dr. Robotnik. And it's actually really easy because he fucking sucks at his own game. Like, he sucks <laughs> so bad. And so it only lasts, like, 30 seconds or so. Uh, but it's a really, really cute touch. There's good stuff like that all over, like, the uh, Metropolis area. There's a boss fight where after you beat it, it's in front of this huge television. And then the TV breaks, and then it makes that buzz that happened during the, I think it was Sonic 06 reveal event. They did a stream. Uh, maybe it wasn't Sonic 06, but they did a stream that just had this horrible buzz going through it the whole time and that's like in the game like there's so much shit like that that is just like full but the, the term love letter gets used a lot um when 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 talking about like retro games especially or games sort of inspired by retro aesthetics but like this is this is that to a t like it's i everywhere. have so this is a very like doofy comparison but it reminds me of the shining the movie to the shining the book Okay. And that, like, or any Stephen King uh, adaptation, and that, like, the source text is super lovable, but also, like, kind of a mess, and I'm not even sure 
the people who created it fully understood what was good about right. it. Right. And then this, like, person comes along and they're like, yeah, a lot of this doesn't work, but uh, there's something really powerful conceptually or philosophically about it. And I am going to make that my own and I'm going to put so much love into it. And whether or not, I mean, I'm glad that Sonic fans really dig it, but it feels very much like its own thing. Um, if we're being honest, like it, it is such a stark improvement upon classic Sonic games. Can, can I ask with all this in mind? Yes. Like this is a love letter. They did a very good job <clears throat> capturing the spirit of Sonic without necessarily copying what most of the games have done. Um, can Sonic games exist outside of this, which is to say like an extreme love letter, but like, like, is there a way to do new Sonic games and have them be good without have them just being like the closest Retro representation of remakes. what the spirit they of Sonic exist. is? Sonic Generations is a good game. Sonic Colors is a good game too. They're, I mean, okay. they're not like the world's most amazing games, but in terms of sure. like 3D platformers, those are... So, so there was a game that came out either last year or the year before last that I thought was my favorite Sonic game called Freedom Planet. Uh, that was basically just like we're gonna oh, make yeah. we're gonna make a Sonic game and it's gonna be really fucking good and it it really is um, because it doesn't you you aren't playing a Sonic right you are not beholden to like duck down to spin dash and go up a ramp and like there's <clears> different <throat> characters who have different sort of uh, traversal methods and and ways of moving around that I thought was like really really slick. I, th I think this formula yeah. is really strong. It's just that like. It lost its way for a while. Yeah. I think for 3D2, what, what Sonic Generations and Colors started to figure out, and then I guess they just pieced on it, um, was that there are two games. There's the speed game, and which is essentially like an infinite runner if you play it in 3D, and there is the like puzzle platforming game. Right. And Generations solved that by like having, okay, well, there's the full-on modern 3D Sonic, and that is just going to operate like uh infinite runner and then okay we'll do the flat 2d side scrolling even though there's still 3d characters for the rest and being able to bounce back and forth just felt like they were being kind of honest with themselves about what the games were and yep. and then we got like sonic worlds whatever that mario galaxy thing was and after that it's just been back to i don't even know what they're trying at this point yeah um should we skip halftime because we spent forever on uh honorable mentions i think we should spend five minutes on half uh, do you have a character you want to bring in is that what it is no <laughs> then let's skip halftime because the only thing i want to talk about is destiny if we're not going to do that then i would I like to trade talk about, five i don't know i think time for destiny time i feel like people talk about like to hear us talk about other things too okay i mean, justin if you want to talk about destiny let's let's talk about how how has it been for you Let, let's talk at high level are you doing the right we're gonna talk so it's much about the whole destiny next destiny's, destiny's is just gonna be about destiny let's 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 hold off Fine. um and Metroid. let's uh let's god this is it, can we talk about this it is uh september 14th 2017 i think this mm -hmm. might be the best video game year in my lifetime i cannot think of another especially like I think about I think about yeah, the, I, I keep thinking there. about the fact that like Mario and Zelda came out are gonna have come out in the same year. That's Buck Wild. Destiny Two came out and is like one of my favorite shooters ever. Persona Five was out this year. Um, there, Gravity Rush Two. Gra Everybody Gravity doesn't need to say it all at once. Two. Um, I know I'm forgetting about other stuff, but it just feels like, especially like looking forward toward the end of the year, it's just like it's fucking banana. PUBG, like it's fucking bananas. How many yeah. games came out? It feels. I, I, 
there was that year that Bioshock came out and like Orange six Box. other amazing games came yeah, out. Yeah, it was uh, 2007. Yeah, it's uh, 98. I think was like the dope year where, or I think uh, 97 is when Final Fantasy 7 came out and like all those really good N64 games came out. Like that was a really good year. 2007. <laughs> Yo, was Resident good... Evil 7 came out this year. It's every. It's every. Okay, now here. Shit. I I will say y'all. 2007. It, this would be tight. Okay, here's 2007. Uh, Modern Warfare. That was a good one. Bioshock. Yeah. Yep. Bioshock. Portal. Mm-hmm. Team Fortress 2. The entire Orange Box. Team Fortress 2. Loving it. Yeah. Uh, Half-Life Episode 2. Super Mario Galaxy. Jesus. Assassin's <laughs> Creed. Rock Band. Yeah. The Witch- fucking crazy. The Witcher. <laughs> Uncharted. <laughs> Unreal Tournament 3. God of War 2. Uh, Forza Motorsport 2. Mass Effect. That was, that was that's a that's tough probably, fucking year. I, I think, so I guess it's just years that end in seven. It's just like a really, every mm, decade okay. we get like one year so, where it's just like, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up. Justin, I have a question. Yeah. So like everything you named launched the franchises for like the following decade. Yeah. Does that mean this is a decade of Nier Automata 2? Nier <laughs> Automata decade. Yeah. Welcome everyone. God, I played a lot of that game. Um, oh my god! Let's let's. It's a very good. Year. I just want to talk about near automata for half. Jesus time. Christ! That game fucking rules. Man, it's such a good game. I'm glad that we're going to be talking about that again for this episode. Um, Justin, do you want to do your lonely space game, or do you want to do yes, my lonely? Space I will game? do my lonely space game first. This game is from 13 years ago, so I barely remember it. But no, I I have a, it was it did make a big impression on me. Uh, Tacoma is the new game from uh, Fulbright, the Gone Home developers. And uh, it is very much in the spirit of that game. You are a uh, some sort of space employee. The nature of your task is is hidden from you uh, until later in the game. But you are aboard a space station that has uh, become inoperable at some point in the past, and the crew is gone. Uh, but the sort of ship's AI has recorded conversations um, that they had. So the, uh, especially in the last sort of uh, 72 hours um, before this sort of catastrophe happened. Um, and you, the bulk of the game is you exploring the ship and watching these conversations take place. And your progression is, I would say gated a little bit more than it was in Gone Home. There, there are certain segments where you have to listen for a fragment of conversation in the um, in the cutscene, for lack of a better term, that which are everybody's represented by um, sort of a wireframe, um, and and sometimes someone will mention a code or something. And there's also points in the scenes where you can pause and look at somebody's uh, displays they brought up and read uh, personal emails and more sort of like world building, stuff like that. But every once in a while, a a password or something. But it's not really a skill-based game um, in the same way that Gone Home was not a skill-based game. But uh, I I was really moved by... um, The thing I thought that was really interesting about this game versus gone home and it, and it seems subtle but to me if you have ever you guys like sleep no more <laughs> no, I, I, is that what is that is that a tv show so sleep no more is an interactive not really yeah i could guess technically interactive theater experience where you walk around a hotel and you watch these scenes play out and there's something very profound about um 
watching a scene happen around you that you cannot interact with. Um, it's a really interesting feeling to like feel sort of like a ghost in a space. And that's certainly, even though the, the wireframes are technically the, the ones who are not present, um, the fact that they will sort of walk right through you makes you very much feel like a ghost or an interloper. Um, and they do yeah. a really shockingly good job of drawing for characters that are basically wireframes, they draw them all, um, and I mean from in a narrative sense, draw them all really well and are, are very clearly defined um, and have really, in it, like you have a really good sense of who everybody is. It helps that uh, they're all color-coded. So their wireframe is color-coded, their locker is set to a certain color, um, and, and it really helps. And you also you. see their face, right, when they're speaking. You see like the ID... Right? Am I remembering that wrong? Um, I don't. I don't, I don't know about that, but so. you 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 At find the bottom, like, photos like, and stuff like that in their personal spaces oh, that yeah, show sure. you like what they look like. Otherwise, they are represented by this like wireframe hologram. Right. Sure. Um. And, and you know, it. Uh. I will say this. I don't think the story sort of, the 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 broad story hit home with me. It did not have the same emotional impact. But as a method of storytelling, um, I thought it was really fascinating. Uh, and it does feel like, like, obviously, so this is Steve Gaynor's studio. He worked on Gone Home, and before that, he was working at Infinity Ward. I'm sorry, not Infinity <laughs> Ward. What is it? Irrational. Um, Irrational. No, Infinity Irrational. Well, no, he wasn't even there. He was the... 2K Marin. He loves Marin. He was a 2K Marin. Right. He was a 2K Marin. He designed the grenade doing... launchers for <laughs> Yeah, he made all the, he made all the <laughs> gun he... sounds with his mouth, Michael Winslow style. Pow, 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 pow. Yeah, he... He did what is considered to be one of the heights of Bioshock his, uh, of the franchise, which was the expansion pack for Bioshock 2, which was really excellent. And you've, it's interesting to see him, and obviously he surrounded, uh, surrounded himself with other people that are really engaged with this kind of storytelling, but it's interesting to see how he has um, explored it and also done it uh, in ways that are not only interesting, but also affordable for a smaller studio to pull off. So if you did like fully modeled fully motion captured like fully detailed 3d environments in tacoma there's no way they would have pulled it off right like the level of detail and animation uh would have been way too expensive but it was obviously a step up from what was essentially like just auto audio diaries and like right. reading text in yeah. gone home um, so they the, really just evolved that it's really interesting i would also make the argument that had they done that it would have been less effective Oh, yeah, um, see, I, I completely disagree. Yeah, we're about to have an argument about that because my game took a different route. Uh -oh. uh, my, my, I yeah. think that the way that they told the story was really fucking cool. Like, I felt like I was more a part of this world than I was in Gone Home. And Gone Home is one of my favorite games of all time um, because it was so, like, it was so profound and so unique uh, when, when it first came out. And I was so, like, bought into what they were doing with it. And I was even more bought in 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 Tacoma uh like the characters are so great and the acting was so fantastic and I felt so it, it really delivered that sense of going from knowing nothing about this world to knowing a lot of really having a very intimate connection with these characters the, the problem was for me um and and bear with me because this is going to seem like a pretty like surface level argument uh it's a it's a pretty short game you can probably finish it in uh, two hours hour and a half two hours uh which is very much like in the style of gone home and um well i don't have any problem with that like i have no qualms with a game's length as long as it like earns that length and I, it definitely does here um but in this case, I really enjoyed interacting with this world and learning about these people so much 
that I was really disappointed when it was over. And I think the reason why that was is because uh, while the method of interacting with the world I enjoyed much, much more than in Gone Home, Gone Home was a character study in a single character. And it gave you an hour and a half, two hours of, of learning mm-hmm. about that one character. And you get the same amount of time exploring these six characters technically seven because there's like this ai uh character that you get to know and i guess you kind of get to know like what your character's about there sort of at the end um and that to me was just not enough time to flesh them out in the way that i wanted to where i kind of learned like what their backstory was and then what their relationship was with each other and then the game was over like i what i i needed like i needed i needed some some more like when the is part of that uh is it partly just like you kind of need to think of it differently than a traditional like do you think of it more like a play in that sense where you're not necessarily going to get 100 percent thoroughness on these characters you're going to get what you can get to sort of develop a story i don't think so i mean if you think about it that way then i don't think it was a great play like that's just not a good way of thinking about it because again if you saw a play and the play was two hours long and it showed you what the relationships were with these characters and then showed you what their backstories were and introduced like some some character traits which this game does and it does it really really well and then the play was over without like much else happening it it, it felt um it felt rushed like when the climax kind of happens and you start to see like uh these folks plans start to get into motion and you see sort of them start like being forced to tackle this big big heavy problem that they're all in like that moment came right i felt like right after all the introduction work and that introduction work was like half the game and so i I just i I wanted i wanted it to be a little bit more fleshed out like i want i just wanted more from these characters because again like the way you learn about them is so cool and then it does some great great character work and then it's kind of over before you get like the the third the third step in that process i think the issue with all that is if if you're going to use the play metaphor is that it's each kind of partition of the space station is its own one act that is kind of building towards something but they all have their kind of beginning middle and end uh pseudo moment of growth for each of the characters but they're I don't want to go into, like, huge spoilers, but I'll just say that, like, there are other players in this universe, um, and they have a very important role within the universe. Sure. And I think it's very gutsy in how it wants that these players to seem almost like background. Um, But the problem is, ultimately, like, your antagonists in this universe are, are not on the ship. And that puts it in a situation that I think has the the problem that comes with the ending is you and you, the the character that the player is playing, and ultimately the antagonists of the game are experiencing an entirely separate story. And you basically get a, a tiny hint of what that is after watching this other story, which makes it kind of an unusual framing device. Um, I will also say, in terms of the story, without getting into spoilers, one of the people who is outside of the ship and is very important is the uh, CEO of the company that is handling this uh, space thing. And, and why why you're in space is tied to his business model. But it was, like, a little disappointing to see 
somebody from the Bioshock universe doing another story about the dangers of capitalism. Yeah, and like pseudo libertarian dudes who have strong beliefs and I don't know. It, it felt like very familiar and I kept waiting for a twist that never really came for me. The, the one other thing I will say, uh, and this is about kind of what Justin was talking about with the, the depiction of the people. I think it definitely works, but going back to Sleep No More, I think a huge part of what people love about Sleep No More in interactive theater is the voyeurism. Like mm-hmm. you right, are sure. an invisible person and you can get really close to human bodies in a way that you can't. In, a, in another space, and I know that sounds very creepy, but that is an appeal. Like you are near people, and like you're, there is a a permission as long as you behave like a decent human being to have a proximity to people and like see people act and behave and make bold choices. And this is like the rare time where I kept thinking as I was playing it, man, somebody figured out how to make a David Cage game, and they don't have David Cage's resources. Yeah, like, this is the game right. I wish he had made because. Being able to be up close with people who looked real during these scenes and like to see them cry, to see them feel pain, to see like to, it, being robbed of that depiction of emotion. Yeah. It really hurt it. It, it, for it me. delivers and, some great like romance and a really great like a fucking like man, it fucked me up. There's a, there's a, a, a character and a lot of her arc is just about how she deals with anxiety uh, and and like yeah. panic attacks and like that was yeah. that was that was fantastic and i totally get what chris is saying here because like a lot of that that power i think is robbed by the fact by like when you see two holograms kissing it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel as like powerful as seeing like two actual human human beings doing yeah it. and i that was a thing that i kept thinking was coming I'm, I'm gonna say like one spoiler th- thing this is not huge because this is a thing that doesn't happen um so fast forward 30 seconds um but i kept thinking that like there was some twist that like everybody was ai that mm. like there was going to be a reason that we were seeing these things as this because so much of the game is about the essentially privileges and rights of artificial intelligence and yeah. what does that mean in the future and i kept waiting for something like oh you got us to fall in love with these people and they're not actually people sure um the, the game also does a great job of i i compared it kind of to uh it, it's sort of the inverse of prey uh where prey set upon this uh, god that came out this year too fuck what a good year uh it came out uh, the 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 characters in prey were like really great and expanded entirely from audio logs and emails and you know D character sheets that you find laying yeah. around their office and you really get to love those characters and then inevitably you find them dead in a, on a on a toilet somewhere like a hundred percent of the time <laughs> they are fucking uh no, that's not true. There's there's characters you okay, actually Okay, but pretty much all of them are fucking dead and toilet bodies. And and so that like felt like after a while I was just like corpse robbing kind of, but, but but what this game does is it makes you fall in love with these characters and then hope holy shit, you don't come into a room and see a cryopod with yeah. a corpse in it because that would be very yeah. very very sad. And so that that it does that really well where I did care about these characters a lot and genuinely had a lot of dread that I was going to find like a, around any corner would be a body and I'd be like, "Oh shit." Like that is heartbreaking. It does a really great job of, of setting up those stakes and, and following through on them. Um, can I move on to my game for the final one? 
Yes. Uh, yes. My video game is also a Lonely Space game, and it is called Lone Echo. And uh, technically, it came out at like the very end of July, but I'm going to do it here anyway, because uh, holy shit that I fall in love with this game in a major way. It is a virtual reality game for Oculus Rift uh, using the touch controllers. Uh, it is set upon a, uh, a mining station that is orbiting Saturn. You play as a robot named Jack. Um, and uh, Jack, the, the only sort of uh, person that is also aboard this station is a human woman named Olivia, uh, who is the, uh, the, the captain of this station. Um, and... Uh, while while sort of like going through your 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 boot up and your like duties at the beginning of the game, uh, yeah. right? Great. Uh, the station <laughs> is hit by uh, this anomaly that opens up in in the rings of Saturn, and you go around the station with Olivia trying to figure out what's going on, what the anomaly is about, doing some repairs to essential systems. Um, it is very like. Uh, hardcore space opera sci-fi where like there's just a lot of we gotta recalibrate the mm-hmm. um yeah. and so like it, it, I think it's similar to uh Tacoma in the sense that like it's just it's it's a very personal it's just you and Olivia and you're in VR and so you can go up and like grab her helmet and uh she will like slap your hand away uh like every time which is very very charming um there is and that's how you get points right that's how you get She's points just how many times you can grab her helmet <laughs> um there is uh there are like conversation options that you can uh open up so there's like sort of a, a dialogue thing going on uh, but most of the game is you and olivia going around the space station fixing up what needs to get fixed up and then going out to investigate this this anomaly um and there's god there's so much to talk about here uh we have to i i want to talk just because i found this to be by far the most incredible thing and one of the reasons it's probably the best vr experience i've had the movement yeah. in the game is out so fucking so rageous. this is this is I the the thing I like about VR and I don't play that much VR these days. I kind of like my relationship with VR now where I hear about some hot shit and then I throw on the headset and I play that hot shit and I'm reminded that VR is here and exceptionally good. There's not a bunch of software for it because it's tough to dedicate that that many resources to making something for a very limited install base. This game is developed by uh, Ready at Dawn, who made uh, a lot of really great games, and also uh, The Order 1886. Um, mm. and <laughs> but mostly great. Their ratio, their, 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 their hit rate is Finally. their hit rate's fucking hot as hell. Um, wow, made some hot ass PSP yeah, games. Yeah, made some really good PSP. Griffin, you literally just willed that game back into. Existence. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, it like fallen <laughs> off existence. <laughs> Uh, and there's some studios that have, that have made stuff like like this uh, before. There's some studios who have dedicated resources, right? I think this had like a 60 person dev team, which is like pretty good size for a, a, a yeah. VR game. Um, and what I really like about VR is seeing how uh, these these devs who are on the fucking cutting edge, who are like on the frontier of figuring out how out how stuff works, handle problems with making games work in vr um so i i went to QuakeCon a couple weeks ago and played the bethesda vr games and like doom vr does some cool stuff where like you move around by teleporting and while you're choosing where to teleport time slows down so there's also sort of a mechanic mm-hmm. like that uh in fallout vr the way that the uh vats system works is really neat like time uh slows way down and then whenever you point your gun at at somebody like it highlights body parts that you are going to hit when you're aiming at them so you can line up these like crazy shots uh and so that's really neat skyrim 
VR doesn't do anything. Like Skyrim VR, their solution, as far as I can tell, unless they do some major work before it comes out, they th saw these problems with adapting Skyrim to VR. And for a lot of them, they're just like, I don't know, maybe you just like, I don't know, we'll just do something. And it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel inspired and it doesn't feel like they are like, discovering new stuff for how to solve like things like locomotion and Lo lone echo right. is on the opposite end of that where the way that they handle lo locomotion is so novel and so fucking exciting um basically how it works is you are in, there's no gravity anywhere there's no artificial gravity you will never walk in in lone echo the only way you get around is by reaching out with your hands grabbing onto any wall it's pretty easy that like you can grab onto any like even sheer surface uh and you pull and launch yourself through space and you have some like thrusters on your wrists uh which by the way feels fucking awesome you feel like superman you just point your wrist yeah. where you want to go and you pull the thruster button but they're really limited and they don't make you go very fast it's mostly for correction of your trajectory as you like launch yourself off of other platforms it's so good it feels so so good and there's also th this game started uh as a game jam uh that was sort of inspired by like how astronauts move around the the iss uh and is uh, originally and this is also part of the game a, a game called echo arena where you are flying around this sort of uh, uh arena enders game style uh flying towards these discs and throwing them into an opponent's goal but you can also grab onto your opponents and like punch them in the head to stun them so it's like <laughs> a full contact sport um but that that method of getting around i th it's, a, it's, it's a beefy game it lasts it, like six seven maybe eight hours and it never gets old it is fun from start to finish it feels so good yeah, speaking as someone that uh, we've I've spoken about this before, motion sickness is a problem for me uh, in some games. Mirror's Edge was like the most recent game that really gave me a lot of problems. VR obviously is very hit or miss for me. Uh, games where you're walking in VR are like a total no go. The teleport situation that a lot of games use is a total is good. It's a solve. It doesn't make me sick when I use those games. I was really worried in this game because that wasn't there, and. So I played for about an hour and I never got like super, super nauseous. I started after an hour, I started feeling like a little bit weird. And I thought about it for a while. And I was talking to Ben Guccero, who's like the obsessive VR fan on staff. And he was like, you know, it's interesting. Part of that might be VR or part of that might be this is what your body feels like after that's, you've been weightless like, for an it's, hour. It is the, it's that's the most crazy. immersive VR game I have ever played. And that word... I think has lost its meaning a little bit when talking about VR, but it, here I mean it like I took off the headset and was like, "Fuck!" Like I was just, I was just because oh, because it, you can spend up. a lot of time in in this game. I found myself playing it and being so hooked and having so much fun with it that I knew I was getting exhausted. Like it is difficult to leave that headset on for you know over an hour, yeah. but I found myself like sticking into it for a couple of hours and then hopping out of it and having had this like really immersive experience and then you take the headset off and all of a sudden your gravity's back and it's like it's really really powerful so that that works well, really the well the other yeah the other big thing i think for the immersion and and griffin like the gravity thing is one thing like having gravity come back is one thing i finished playing and the big thing that they do in this game that is so successful is that there are no there's menus. no ui in every single there's no UI. So every single thing that you're doing, whether it's selecting dialogue choices, happens on your wrist, on like a little wrist computer that you look down to interact with. Obviously, things you pick up are with your hands. So there's no menu so UI So you didn't, you didn't make it all. very far. There are 
there's a ton of stuff like that. It's all on your wrists, right? And so right, if you want yeah. to look at what your mission objectives is, that's on like the side of your wrist. There's a little like iPhone unlock slide that you just drag your finger across. It works every time. Right. And then there's a little window that pops up and you can grab the window and fucking launch it away and it'll disappear when it gets a certain distance away from you. If you want to like track a mission so that you can like see a waypoint on your map, you just like press a button that appears on this dynamic window. Um, you have a scanner that you right. activate by touching a button at the top of your wrist and then it just like pops out of your robot arm and then you point it at something and scan it for a couple of seconds and then a little tab appears uh, next to the scanner you reach over with your other hand grab that tab and you pull it out of your wrist and it just appears and then you can look at with the data on it and fucking throw it away from yourself as far yeah, as you want it's crazy i i so i i experienced all that stuff which which i thought was mind-blowing the and then and took so i took the helmet off i took a break after about an hour i went back to my computer i was like doing some work on my computer and i was looking down at my hands in the most bizarre like i just had robot hands for an hour and now i don't and i had this like total out of body freak yeah. out while i was at my computer that i've never had when playing yeah. vr and i really think like the, the lack of menus is a huge part of that where it's like you were this person you were the uh, robot i guess you were this robot for an hour and now you're not and what is real and it really like was a total mind fuck I'd... for a surprising amount of time is this Oculus um, funded like never gonna be on five basically uh i think i think so probably um I would. I don't know. Actually, I, I think yeah. yeah it's, sure. I think it's an Oculus exclusive for for right now. Um, and and uh, yeah. this is something that we kind of addressed when talking about Tacoma. This is a game about Jack and Olivia. Like that's it. And yeah. and so it is all about their relationship. Uh, Jack is voiced by uh, uh, oh shit, what's that dude's name? Oh, Troy Baker. Um, and um, there's a the, the voice actress who does Olivia's uh Alice uh Coulthard who has has done like a bunch of games like her voice is very recognizable and they do a great job like this 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 relationship between the two of them is the point of the entire game and it is it is fantastic to the point where like you are a robot where if you die your consciousness is just instantly teleported into another robot body that just like pops out of a hub um but Olivia doesn't have that. And and so the whole time you feel there there's this sense of uh, because again there is a disaster that happens and n now all of a sudden it is it is about like um this human's relationship with this AI who is becoming more emotional and more human and it it does like it doesn't um it doesn't burn out. It doesn't like end before it needs to. Like you really, really, really get to explore that relationship, and it is it is really fantastic. Um, I, I yeah. The if I had to knock one small thing uh, in terms of the immersion, and the, I there's not a solve for this right now. Technologically, I fully get why it's in the game, but um, there were moments where I wasn't able to uh look around 360 degrees um because the wires were getting tangled or the sensors were off or stuff like that and the way to sort of reorient yourself is like it's that 15 degree like turn breaking the like yeah yeah you do like these ab abrupt turns which again is like a solve for a problem i don't think it's a great solve but again without a wireless headset solution there's, yeah, there's not, not a, great a really great that. way around my, my only my qualm but, with the game is the last um third of it maybe takes place uh in this sort of different environment that i'm not going to spoil um but there's it's it becomes that that traversal becomes a lot more um you have to have a certain mastery to it because there are things that you just like sure. you can't touch 
uh, and it becomes a lot more sort of like, there's a bigger emphasis on like the movement as gameplay movement as like a challenge that you, that you can fail uh, as opposed to a really, really neat exploration mechanic. And there's still like a lot of exploration that happens in this environment, but there's a lot of sections where it's just like, okay, fly around this tunnel and be real, real careful. Um, and that stuff is really cool, but I, I feel like it detracted from it just a, just a little bit. If it weren't for that stuff, this sure. would be like, definitely game of the year contender uh, like super hot was really cool and super hot in my mind was like the best way to do a shooter in this world and yeah but, but i understood like i before vr could come out before vr came out like i could envision okay one day there's gonna be a really good shooter in this lone echo is so fucking fresh and like original i i think the closest comparison you can make that's is very can i just i i know you're trying to make a point but i think that's very dismissive of super hot super hot is not a shooter uh, that's fair it's that's not. fair I'm, I'm i'm specifically talking about like i uh, maybe it's just because i played super hot on pc and then i played it on vr that's that's fair sure. i i don't want i, mean, I don't want to shit talk super hot because like, i think super hot is still my favorite like, vr game so they made a halo big deal like, no it's okay it's it's, it's it's but they didn't make a halo because you couldn't make a halo in vr you could make a shooter where time stands still and that is the way that like you handle like knowing your environment when you are in a first person vr perspective like that i i didn't mean to sound like i was shit talking super hot super hot is the paragon of what i was describing earlier of okay we have figured out how to make this experience work in vr and we have changed stuff dramatically and thoughtfully to make that experience work um i i just i don't know i guess i just didn't expect like this i i could not have expected this type of experience and maybe there was there was a, a drift which i played a little bit of which is kind of that same thing of you flying through space but like this is this is this is a completely different beast it is like it is a really really fucking fantastic game that i cannot recommend highly enough if you have uh if you if you, if you have an oculus headset um because it just tells a great story and more importantly like it is a thoughtful adventure game that because of the way that they have done locomotion is like really fun to play uh it is it is not yeah. a i think the term walking simula simulator right when used as a pejorative um is can can describe like some of these experiences uh and and those comparisons would be made by mostly shitty people um but you couldn't you could not say that about this like this is an adventure game sure but it is not like it is not boring because it simulates the feeling of being in space better than any game i have ever played in my entire life um i i, yeah. I love it to love it to bits great game um well even though i plant you didn't play that lone echo joint did you Nah, i'm hoping to play it in like the next couple weeks hearing your passion though it feels like probably that one should take it um right i don't know, I, I don't know. that well speaking as the uh, the only other person that played lone echo i would also agree that that would be my pick for um the, yeah i just like month. i i really like i i play this is one of those rare months where i've actually played all the games and i like sonic and i like rabbits and i really liked tacoma but like lone echo fucking floored me so that's like definitely my my pick Cool. Yeah, I think it's the best VR experience I've ever had, and it should be played by anyone who has the capability to play it. Got a winner. Try to get in there, get in there, and do some nasty things on his computer to try to make it work with the with the vibe. There's some guys you can. There's probably to. some guys you can. Yeah, I'm sure there's some, <laughs> there's some guys. What's the on a yeah? There's a there's a GitHub. Uh, 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 are we let's do some things? Are we in a new? We're not in a new quarter. What was the July game? Because that was uh, seventy years ago, July. And I don't remember what it would have been. Uh, uh, Splatoon. 
Probably Splatoon. It might have been Splatoon, maybe. Probably Splatoon too. That that seems right, right? Uh, maybe. Higher sure. came out. I think that was one we talked about, but I don't think it won. No, that no. did not win. Um, I think it was Splatoon two. The, I'm looking at a list now. It was Fun- Splatoon two. Oh, uh, uh, Pyre, the end is nigh, and Metopia. So I'm yeah, thinking- yeah. It was <laughs> Splatoon. Yeah, Splatoon. Okay, I think this game is better uh, than Splatoon two. Uh, also, we talked about hidden. Uh, my game by mom at uh, Russ. I just want to let you know, uh, brother ate my pudding. Is out. What live. is this? The spiritual this- sequel. <gasps> Brother Ate My Pudding is... Well, there was an actual sequel. Yeah, well, there was Hidden My Game by Mom 2. You know what's coming to Switch? Really? Yeah, isn't that very good? In Brother Ate My Pudding, the boy is back, and he ate his sister's pudding, and uh, this time he has to find a place to hide from her because she's very angry that he ate a pudding. Sure. This sounds like maybe that's the game of the month. Yeah, I, I should have mentioned that honorable engines. Brother Ate My Pudding um, is the best, best game of the year, 2017. The, the certificate's in the mail. Um, so Lone Echo, but wait, now Lone Echo has to go against Splatoon. Yeah, I, I, okay. I think Lone Echo wins, but I realize, again, two people haven't played it. So Yeah, it's I mean, I, I played a say. lot of Splatoon 2, but I haven't in a while. It did not have the like long tail that I kind of ex- expected power. it to have. Um, I kind of... I finished a single player and I got up to like level 15 or so in the multiplayer and had some fun with it. I did one of the splat fests and played a bunch of salmon run and now I think I'm okay. I think I'm good. Yeah. Are we sure I, the June game didn't supplant? No, because it's, was... it's a different quarter. April, May. Oh, June. that was a different quarter. Okay. Uh, and the game for that quarter was Persona. <laughs> huh? yeah, sure. Is that right? sure. No, Persona was not because Griffin no, was, was super upset. Was it PUBG? I yeah, this all so we're at Zelda, PUBG, and now currently Lone Echo, Lone Echo, Lone Echo. Uh, but we have a September is going September to Lone Echo. Lone I love Echo. you so much, September though. Damn, be brutal. Let's September. talk about September. So we got Are we Destiny two. Talk about other things beyond Destiny. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I think we should because there are very good games coming. Yeah, out Metroid, in the Metroid, uh, 3DS. Metroid, which I reviewed and loved. Uh, Danganronpa three. I'm very, very excited for. Uh, Cuphead comes out in September. Oh wow! Um, finally, Knack two. I mean, everybody's all high fee for that one. Yeah, um, Knack in the action. Yeah, there's some, there's some, there's some stuff. There's some stuff. Uh, what was the? What was the? There was did, an, another one. What was it? I have a, did they get Mark Morrison to do Return of the Knack? Um, <laughs> oh, d- uh, Dishonored thing. Oh yeah, Dishonored. I played that at QuakeCon oh, yeah, also. Dishonored. It's fucking great. Um, Star Fox Two, which no one's uh, ever Pokemon played. Tournament on uh, the Switch. Mm, yeah, it's okay. a good no time. One cares. Um, yeah, Star September's Fox Two. Month. What are you talking about? For the yeah, SNES Classic, Super Nintendo Classic. That's October. Is that is well? No, no. no it's end you're going to get right? it in October because Walmart shipments are going to move pretty slow. But yeah, <laughs> but it's end of September. Yeah, right on. Uh, but it's gonna be all Destiny. We're probably gonna spend an hour talking about Destiny just to keep keep yeah, you. Yeah, we're going to clear our calendars. Uh, but that's gonna do it for us for this month, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. You can re- read all about these games at Polygon.com, as long as other games, mainly Destiny, too. And uh, but that is going to do it for us. So uh, for my co-hosts, my name is Justin McRoy. Thank you for listening to Besties. We'll be back with you next month with the besties because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games besties